0: You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It is Wednesday, November 28th. We are back after a, a week-long hiatus. My apologies for... The aforementioned week-long hiatus, just with traveling and the holidays and Thanksgiving, and some, a little bit of technical difficulties, and uh, also some general busyness, kind of the perfect storm uh, for me to miss a few days of talking about the Nittany Lions. But we're back today, uh, and just on that note, real quick before we get into things here, uh, probably for the next coming uh, for the next month or so, basically like from now until Penn State's bowl game. Won't be five days a week for the show, probably uh, probably two to three times, maybe four, uh, depending on on how some things go, what pops up, what, what happens uh, regarding this team in, in the next couple weeks. But on today's show, we're going to talk specifically about the Penn State-Maryland game. It'll be our midweek rewind. How is that different from our Monday rewind? Well, uh, you're listening to it on Wednesday instead of Monday. <laughs> it's just going to be a look back at Penn State's. 38-3 routes of the Maryland Terrapins there at Beaver Stadium on Saturday. We'll take a look at that with what we saw, uh, what we heard, and we'll do a little bit bigger view of what we mean, what it means, and uh, what Penn State's 9-3 and three regular season kind of means in the grand scheme of things for this program, so we'll have all that on today's show, and uh, again, yeah, we'll probably have, probably just have one more show this week, and then Probably about two or three shows a week for the next, uh, for about December here, leading up to Penn State's bowl game, wherever it may be. But yeah, we're here to talk about Penn State Maryland uh, a few games out, so we'll take kind of a broader view of this one. Uh, started with our what we saw uh, in that win, and it was the most complete this team has looked against a real opponent, no offense, Kent State, basically since they played Pitt. Uh, I know some of you would like to not think of Pitt as a real opponent, but the point is this was uh, Penn State's best game. I mean, most dominant Big Ten game, which is weird because they played Rutgers and Illinois. I guess Illinois might have been more dominant, but it wasn't for two and a half quarters that the score was more lopsided. But it, Penn State was not in a control of a big game or a Big Ten game like they were this one at any other point this season, which is. Kind of crazy to think about, Uh, but this one was never really in doubt. Penn State, a little bit slow start in uh, some lousy weather. This is the only game I went to this season, quick aside. Man, I did not pick a good one to go to about freezing rain. Had to buy a poncho at McClanahan's. It all worked out. Had a couple. Still, you know, you couldn't tailgate, but you could still have a couple beers in the parking lot in downtown before you went up there. So that, that helps with the freezing rain. So does a poncho, uh, but still bad, bad weather, not a huge crowd, even on senior day, but Penn State still put together a great game. And yes, we'll talk about this too. It was a proper send off for Richard Thomas McSorley, the third, also known as Trace McSorley at Beaver Stadium. It was, you look, Penn State has better wins this year. For sure, they've beaten better teams than this. This Maryland team, which has been very up and down, and was pretty far down on Saturday, but it was it was way easier than Rutgers, even way easier than Indiana or Illinois, uh, and it was a a better game and less nerve wracking game than than Wisconsin or Iowa or App State. Some of those other close games that Penn State beat against decent teams. So let's start with McSorley. Uh, We'll move on from there. He this was good. This was. I'm happy for him and I think every Penn State fan is really happy for him because he came into this game playing the worst football of his Penn State career and he wasn't, you know, it wasn't 2016 Rose Bowl or Big Ten Championship game or even last year at his highest highs, Trace McSorley throwing for 350 yards or anything like that, but it was a lot better than we've seen him in the last month. Uh, He looked a little bit out of rhythm early, but he finally found his groove ended up throwing for hundred or 230 yards ran for two touchdowns, including a classic up the middle untouched Tracy. So the end zone run, and then his last pass ever at Beaver stadium happened to be a touchdown pass to Pat Fryermuth, which is a really fitting special good way for Tracy. So to end his career at Beaver stadium, uh, he, he really soaked it into, you could tell what this meant to him. He's normally a pretty reserved guy. Uh, doesn't, doesn't say a ton, kind of sticks to a script of, of, of what coaches like to hear. We'll he actually gets to that later. <laughs> James Franklin basically alluded to that, how he's kind of the perfect college player to coach. Uh, but you could tell what this game meant to him, the way he basically took a lap around Beaver Stadium after this thing was over high-fived a bunch of fans who were there, took them moment before heading off in the locker room and uh, kneeled down in Penn State's south end zone and just really, 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 you could tell this, this meant a lot. And getting a win and getting a win with ease and having a good personal game, I'm sure, helped. He won't say that, but it was more than just a win. It was a kind of a writing of a ship and a, a good ending for Trace McSorley at Beaver Stadium uh we'll we'll touch on him again in the what we heard segment uh but just real quick the offense in general was terrific the best game they've had since I don't know all season pretty much like base second half Iowa Kent State 565 yards for the Nittany Lions 310 on the ground and yes McSorley had McSorley had about 64 and Miles Sanders had 128 on just 14 touches but you also had Ricky Slade going for 64 yards and uh, two touchdowns on 11 carries. Tommy Stevens comes in. He runs 35 yards. Even Journey Brown, the true freshman, has 17 yards on uh, on three carries. So the future of that backfield is looking really good. Pat Frymouth also caught that touchdown. So, yeah, Penn State moved the ball with ease on a sloppy day against a not-so-great defense, but still. Uh, and then you look on the other side of the ball. Penn State's defense... I mean, the they've been playing such good football. Um, and they weren't the reasons that Penn State lost to Ohio State and Michigan State. I want to make that clear. Not in the slightest, but like, I kind of think if they play those games again, I, at least those fourth quarters, I'm sure they would like to have like two or three drives back because they've been so, so good in these last couple of weeks. Opponents are different, but Penn State, uh, this is, and again, this was, You might say, oh, it's just against Maryland. This is a team that put up 51 points, nearly put up 53 and beat Ohio State last week. And then Ohio State, I mean, like, Ohio State, the Big Ten champion, impossible college football playoff participant is, uh, (laughs) Maryland does that. And then a week later, Penn State just shuts them down pretty much entirely. 15 tackles for a loss. 15. Penn State was living in the Maryland backfield. Yatar Grossmatos had three and a half of those tackles for losses. Penn State had five sacks, uh, two of those from Kevin Givens. It was Maryland wasn't really going anywhere in, in some bad weather. Penn State was just keeping them off the field and uh, keeping the lead safe. For, and again, it was a little bit of a slow start for the offense, but Penn State's defense never let it really get that close um, just superb and uh, they've been they've been that good for the last month Penn State's defense has been one of the best defenses in the Big Ten maybe you can their front four has been on the short list of best in the in the country right now I, just the way that they are playing the pressure that they're getting up front has been impressive to watch because it looked like this was going to be a liability and Penn State was going to be in shootouts all year long in week one, and then in in week 12, here it is, or week 13, game number 12, you have the defense just, just showing no problems and looking way more dominant than the offense really has all year. So it was a complete game, very nice to see, and it was important. No matter where this team goes bowling, even if they end up in the Outback Bowl or whatever, this was very important and nice to see for this team to go out and play a great game on both sides of the ball and pick up an easy Big Ten win uh, in what could be the last game of Beaver Stadium for a a good handful of those players. So that's what we saw on Saturday. We're stepping away for a quick break, but when we come back, we'll have what we heard following Penn State's 35-point win over the Terps. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're a college football fanatic. You don't just want to watch the game, you need to watch the game. That's why I'm telling you you need to check out Sling TV. For just 30 bucks a month, you get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, the SEC Network, and more. You can stream the big games on your big screen and all your favorite devices with Sling TV. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, but it's better. There are no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. If you want to check out Sling TV, Locked On Nittany Lions listeners can get a special seven-day free trial. Go to sling.com slash locked on, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and sign up for your free seven-day trial today. Sling.com slash locked on and find out why Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. Welcome back to the show. We're diving into what we heard is our midweek rewind here on Locked on Nittany Lions. So what we heard after uh, Penn State's win over Maryland, quickly before we get into that, it turns out that James Franklin is not going to USC unless he's going there as their offensive coordinator. USC announced on Sunday it's keeping coach Clay Helton uh, even after a bad season and uh, a loss to Notre Dame there on Saturday night. Trojans not making a coaching change this offseason. And James Franklin, even after I talked about this in my last podcast last week, he was asked again, basically was asked again about it on Wednesday, and he never gave a definitive answer of him not leaving Penn State and being the Penn State coach in 2019. So there are going to be other jobs opening up. James Franklin could very well be linked to them. He might even get linked to an NFL job. That is certainly not out of the realm of possibility. So these rumors might keep happening, and I'm not really sure exactly what James Franklin's trying to do. I don't know if he is interested in other jobs, if he's trying to get some money for himself and his coaching pool of assistants, uh, but he seems like he's not going to rule anything out yet because he's smart. He What he says is mostly very calculated, and I'm sure he's, he's either just toying with the media or he is trying to use this as leverage or he is trying to go. So it's one of those three things. Not really quite sure. I'm sure those rumors will pop back up and we'll talk about them again here when they do. Anyway, let's move on to things people said after the Maryland game regarding the Maryland game. And um, this is where I want to talk about Trace McSorley. You have to be happy for him. I mean, there, he's a little bit of a cliche college quarterback, but he's been so good for Penn state and was just the right guy at the right time for this team. Uh, He's not the most talented quarterback in the world. will probably not be an NFL quarterback. Maybe he will. I don't know. Probably not. But he was the right person for this team and was just magical at times in 2016 and 2017. Not so much in 2018, but you still got to be happy as a Penn State fan to see him go out like he did in, uh, in his final game at Beaver Stadium. I mentioned that lap he took around the field and that moment he took in the south end zone earlier. Here's what he said to Audrey Snyder, the athletic, after the game. I got chills as it was happening. McSorley said, it's one of those times where you know you're never going to get it again. And realizing that in the moment, you just try to enjoy it as much as possible. So there he was. And that's, that's another thing. Like Instead of this being a loss or of this being a really nail-biting game, he was out of the game with more than 10 minutes left. He really had time to soak it up on the sidelines to see his friends and family if he wanted to in the stands, and then could take that time to, to walk around the field at the end there and do everything he wanted and needed to do. As I mentioned, he's, uh, he can be a little bit – the way people talk about him can be a little bit cliché at times. That's no different here with James Franklin's answer, but there is certainly a lot of truth in it and a lot of truth uh, to what Tracy Swirley was, how good he was able to be and how consistent he was able to be in his three years as Penn State starting quarterback. Here's Franklin on McSorley after the game.
0: And I think obviously this night, you know, there was probably a lot of motivation and uh, had probably, you know, that probably helped as well. You know, the, the type of game that it was going to be and the emotion behind it as well. You know, I, I think with Trace, it, it probably sounds, it's probably not going to be the sexy quote that you guys are looking for, but it's consistency. Tr- Trace McSorley is, is, you love Trace, and it is what you want in all your players, because he's the same guy every day. The guy hasn't had a bad day in five years. He hasn't had a, you know, a day where he's had an issue academically, or an issue with a girlfriend, or an issue with family, and he's brought it into the Lash building. He's the, he's the same guy from the day he stepped on campus, then the recruiting process, to now. You know what you're getting with him. It's uh, He's going to be a great teammate. He's gonna be always a class act. He's gonna be unbelievable downtown in the community. He's, you know, um, he's gonna compete like hell on Saturdays, and he's gonna prepare like like nobody else, you know. And I and I think he's a great model for all of our young players, and I think he's a great model for college football in general, um, just about how you go about your business. You know, he did it in high school. He's done it in college. He's gonna do it at the next level.
1: All right, so that is what we heard after Penn State's win over Maryland. We're stepping away for another quick break, but when we come back, we'll take a look at what Saturday's game means for Penn State. Stay with us on Locked On, Nittany Lions. Welcome back to the show. We're closing out today's episode with our What It Means segment here on our midweek rewind this week looking back at Penn State's win over Maryland on Saturday. So we're gonna take the broader picture of what this game means. Uh, and just quickly I do want to say Penn State was ranked number 12 when the new college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday night So that means and they were ahead of Washington State behind LSU ahead of Texas so it's it's Penn State's still right now in position to make a New Year's six bowl. Uh, but some things could obviously change this weekend. Um, I mean, Northwestern winning would screw things up. Texas winning would screw things up. There are some things that can happen that could be good or bad for Penn State. And we'll talk more about bowl uh, possibilities later this week as well. But I did just want to make mention of that. And that kind of leads me nicely into what Saturday's win means for Penn State. And it means that Penn State never fully let this season get away. Sure, I don't think this met expectations for a lot of people. 9-3 and is not the best season normally, especially when you're a program like Penn State. You start the season right around the top 10, and you have Big Ten and national title hopes, and you also have a two-score lead against Ohio State uh, in the fourth quarter of the whiteout game. This season could have went a lot differently, but in, in a good way, and it also could have went a lot differently in a bad way for Penn State. This team could have had four to five losses rather easily, um, but it didn't. It and it, Is that a great thing? No. Is this silver lining? Yes. Um, this season will be remembered, and I've talked about this a lot before. It will be remembered, I think, mostly for the way Penn State lost it's three games. It lost two games against Ohio state and Michigan state that it should have won. And it got embarrassed on the road against Michigan and that Michigan team didn't even win the big 10. So if you're a legitimate top tier college football program, like Penn state, you're remembered for your big games and that's fair. And I think that's how Penn state season should be remembered. Um, But Penn state, didn't fold into other games, uh, and they played a lot of close games, and that's what the difference between this season and the last season. The last couple, like Penn State, didn't play that many close games last year. The exception being that Iowa game. Really, Penn State had so many other games on scheduled this season that it could have lost, uh, but it, it it did. It pulled it out. I mean, this team nine and th- it, you look at it is nine and three, and you think it could probably pretty easily be eleven and one or at least ten and two. But some things break the other way. This team could be 7-5 or 8-4 and four, or maybe even 6-6 six and six if they let the Michigan Michigan loss carry over and lose to Wisconsin. They're a player away here from losing to App State or Iowa. So sure, this team uh, probably should have been better and it probably should be like a shoe-in for one of these <laughs> New Year's Six games that are still a possibility right now. Uh, and it never quite got to that eliteness even after the Ohio State loss that James Franklin um, was talking about. But it took steps, like especially in the defensive side and, and a couple skilled players on offense, it took those steps to show that it has to what it takes to be a continually good football team moving forward. And it also didn't let all of the losses snowball into a 7-5 and five season the way it could have. I mean, after losing that Michigan State game, Penn State could have lost Iowa a few weeks later after getting crushed by Michigan. That could have had to carry over, and Penn State loses to an average Wisconsin team this year. They didn't let those things happen. They also could have opened up with a loss. They were in position to lose and get upset by an upstart App State team. So Penn State didn't do that, so there is a little bit of a silver lining in this 9-3 and season. It leaves the door open. Uh, to another 10-win season, which would be Penn State's third in a row, something they haven't done in about three decades. But you're at the point where you you look at this team and think it can be very good next year, even losing Tracy Sorley, and even if some of their better guys on defense or maybe even Miles Sanders do end up going to the NFL draft, you still look at this team as a, in imposition to be very good next season. And 9-3 and is, is kind of tough sometimes if you're – at a program where you think you can win the conference every year. Um, you know, if we're at a point where 9-3 and three is a down year for Penn State, that's really good. That's great. If we're at a point where 9-3 and three turns into every year for Penn State, then that's going to be a problem moving forward. So right now it is a down year, and Penn State can still go 10-3. and three. Uh, and, and it's uh, a lot of things are possible over the next couple months to define where this program is going in the future. But this team could have been better than nine and three. Sure. But they were also pretty close to being worse. So there are some silver linings to a nine and three season there for Penn state. All right. That's what that game means. That will do it for this episode of locked on Nittany lions. We'll be back uh, with one more show this week, probably coming out on Friday. And again, we'll have uh, two, three episodes per week leading up to Penn State's bowl game whenever that is. We'll be back next week as well to talk about the bowl game, the bowl opponent, uh, if Penn State got a favorable draw or they got snubbed by some committee and you should be mad about it. We'll talk about all that coming up and a lot of people have NFL draft decisions. There'll be James Franklin rumors. Plenty of stuff to talk about in the next month or so here. Uh, as always, I remind you that you can find Locked On Nittany Lions on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Really pre- appreciate everyone who subscribes to this show and also leaves us a rating and review on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. It helps other Penn State fans find the show. So thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again sometime later this week. Take care.